Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, we're going to continue our study of the words of exhortation from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. And we're looking at the words, support the weak. Such a simple exhortation, but one that is vital to the spiritual health of the individual Christian and to that of a faithful local congregation. Not all Christians have attained to the same level of spiritual maturity. A classic case that was widespread in the first century had to do with whether or not Christians could eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4-9, through 9, we find the following. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, We know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. The problem that the brethren who were described as weak was experiencing was not that their belief in Jesus as the Savior or in their belief in there being only one God. The problem was that they had not yet grown in the level of spiritual maturity that enabled them to understand the consequences of their newfound beliefs. So the stronger Christians, the more spiritually mature Christians, were not to reject such a brother or sister, but provide them with the support they needed to grow in the faith. The idea of support can be described as the stronger brother picking up one end of the burden as the weaker brother picks up the other. Together they bear that burden. Every congregation, no matter how large or small, has people who are at different levels of spiritual growth. Not everybody is going to be at the same point in knowledge, strength in the face of temptation, or courage when confronted with persecution. Those who are stronger have the responsibility to hold to, cleave to, stick to such a person as he grows in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that present a beautiful picture? As Paul wrote in Romans 15:1, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We can envision a congregation of the Lord's people. In that congregation are people at all points along the path to spiritual maturity, 
and yet those who are stronger do not look down upon those who have not yet attained the same level, and those who are weaker do not despair. Together they are all striving for the same goal, and if one brother can help another get there by supporting and encouraging him in his growth, then that is what he will do. So remember, support the weak, help them as they grow in knowledge, strength, courage, and spiritual maturity. Not one of us began this journey to heaven as a mature Christian. Next is be patient toward all men. I'm not sure about you, but I want to be patient. I want to be patient now. We have all heard something similar to that and have chuckled probably, but I suspect that patience is a virtue about which many struggle. It is so important for a Christian to be patient in our dealings with others, both within and without the body of Christ. The explanation of patient that appears in Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament is this. Persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles, to be patient in bearing offenses and injuries to others, to be mild and slow in avenging. Thus, it is at the opposite end of the spectrum from becoming easily exasperated or being short-tempered. In 1 Corinthians 13.4, we find that patience, or long-suffering, is one of the attributes of true love and emphasizes the trait of self-restraint, the ability to control oneself even when wrong or injured by another. When I think of patience, quite frankly, I think of God and the very fact that mankind still exists as being evident of just how faithful and patient he is. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. With all of the terrible and horrendous things that man does, and yet God continues to give opportunity to repent, what possible cause could I have to fail to be patient? What better example of being patient could we have than our Lord Jesus? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21-23, through 23, we read the following, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. How many local churches have been torn apart because of a lack of patience by some within its number? How many potential converts to Christ have been driven away because the one attempting to teach them grew impatient with their questions and apparent lack of progress. How many Christians have flown off the handle, so to speak, and reacted harshly and rashly to a perceived injustice or slight at work, only to have a fellow employee think, well, if that's the way Christians act, I want no part of it. I really like the way that Matthew Henry expanded upon this particular exhortation in his commentary on 1 Thessalonians. He wrote, we must bear and forbear, and this duty must be exercised toward all men, good and bad, high and low. We must endeavor to make the best we can of everything and think the best we can of everybody. Next, 
see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. One of the amazing things about the Word of God is that the standard of righteousness it sets forth is so different from the one which most of the world has adopted. In our me-first society, the practice is not only to return evil for evil, but many live by the motto, do unto others before they can do unto you. Nothing could be more different from the example the Lord set for us and from the pattern of life that he demands of his disciples. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 45, we read the following. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asks thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Surely what is prohibited is the taking of vengeance. We have the God-given right to defend ourselves, to protect our families, even seek the assistance of the government under which we live, for the government has been ordained by God as a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil, according to Romans chapter 13 and verse 4. However, if even such is done out of an evil desire for revenge, we are no longer abiding within God's standard. God did not promise that all aspects of his standard of righteousness were going to be easy, but he did provide us with the greatest example of just this kind of attitude. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, we read the following, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. One of the challenges of being a Christian is learning to live by this rule. Not only are we going to resist the temptation to retaliate in kind when evil has been done to us, we are actually to return good instead. The good referred to in 1 Thessalonians 5.15 is that which is beneficial. So it is teaching us not only to refuse to seek vengeance, but to actually seek to do that which is good and would benefit the evildoer. That's not always a simple thing to do, nor is it limited only to those who are members of the body of Christ. If we would be faithful and Christ-like followers of our Lord, we must manifest this attitude toward all men. Paul stated it so well in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19, when he wrote these words, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, saith the Lord. Think on these things as the week progresses.